Ladies and gentlemen, it's your buddy Gavin, filibusterfreestyle.com. It's where you can find us on the web, and the Filibuster Freestyle podcast is here. Uh, we're doing two podcasts today, which is Mother's Day, actually, May 12th, 2019. First and foremost, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, including my own mom. Uh, number two, two podcasts today. Like I said, um, Game of Thrones, season eight, episode five, is coming later tonight. I'm currently watching the Boston Bruins play the Carolina Hurricanes in Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Bruins happen to be up 6-0 right now. Um, win or lose, Andy Maslin, pundit Andy Maslin and I, <clears throat> we're going to do uh, a little hockey playoff podcast, which you're going to listen to right now after the theme song. Andy Maslin played uh, high school hockey, which many folks have done, but he played college hockey. He also played juniors which is where the real deal happens. Um, Andy was a goalie, and uh, Andy still plays men's league, as we all know. I think he's chronicled that a little bit on the pod as well. So despite the fact that he lives in the Sunshine State, gorgeous Florida, uh, he still plays hockey. So who better to bring on than our own Andy Maslin to talk? Um, not only Bruins Hurricanes, I almost called them the Panthers, but they're not the Carolina Panthers. Those guys play football. Um, we're also going to talk San Jose Sharks and St. Louis Blues, which is the Western Conference Stanley Cup playoff finals going on over there in the West. So talk about both of those things. We also may talk a little bit of rapid reactions or instant reactions, I should say, for Andy Maslin about the Kentucky Derby, which was a week ago, because that ended um, in, in dramatic and odd fashion with the winner being stripped of his title and I believe Country Horse became the champion. And now neither one of those two horses are going to run in the Preakness, which is nuts. I think the horse's name was Maximum Security. And it's amazing because I said, I think it was. If the horse had won and gotten to keep his title, I would definitely know it was Maximum Security. So anyway, we'll cover that and more after the theme song. Uh, really quickly, sorry, places listening. Let me give you my, my little uh, cheat sheet real quick here. As I, This is what we call vamping in the business. Um, places listening. Number one with a bullet this week, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. I'm going to ask Dan O'Brien about this, but I think that might be his parents. Dan mentioned to me that his, his father discovered the podcast over the weekend. And somebody in Cherry Hill, New Jersey has gone bonkers this week in a good way, listening and downloading episodes of the Filibuster Freestyle. In addition to Cherry Hill, Cornelius, North Carolina, and Charlotte, North Carolina are second and third in terms of cities listening. Uh, Barcelona. A place called Ashfield, Australia. Folks in the Philippines are back from Makati City. And then Alexandria, Egypt. And in terms of countries listening that I haven't mentioned, I obviously talked about Australia, Spain, Philippines, Egypt. But we're also looking at the UK, Canada, and um, finally Iran, which we don't get a lot of downloads in Iran, but we appreciate everybody all over the world who does download the Filibuster Freestyle. As I said, here comes the theme song. Andy Maslin on the other side talking hockey. Oh, ladies and gents, he's back. Live from Sarasota, Florida, the home of hockey. Andy Maslin, what's up, man? What is going on? Dude, we're so glad you're back. Um, crack Research Team and the Crack Editing Team have yet to edit a, a podcast you and I tried to do in late March. Um, 
it was a Friday night. I think both of us had gone out after work, respectively. And the playback was like, we might have to edit it down a little bit. So we're going to yeah, do that. Yeah, I think it would be better off. Keep that one in the archives for when we start having a paywall. That I was going to say, if we start doing a pay site, that one's going to be one of the first ones that goes up. Yeah. But anyway, this is one that's on a Sunday afternoon. It's Mother's Day, by the way. So happy Mother's Day to your wife and everybody, your mom, everybody's mom. Yeah, happy Mother's Day to everybody. And so we're in much better shape to do a pod. Not only about hockey, and I've prepped the listeners' pre-theme song, but you are the racket and lawn sports guy. You are the horse racing guy. We did not have a chance to talk last week during the Kentucky Derby. And, of course, it was the most ridiculous ending to a Kentucky Derby, in my opinion, in the history of the Kentucky Derby, maybe in the history of horse racing. So I just want your immediate thoughts on, like, what do you think about the Kentucky Derby verdict? Was the right call? Okay. Wow. It's it's very strange in a big race to have it come down to that. Yep. But it was the right call. Okay. Um, the horse that was cut off, if he had continued on his path, um, instead of the jockey making the decision to save the horse, if he had continued and tried to fight through that, it would have been a giant. Uh, NASCAR type pileup in horse racing, which is which is bad. Which is bad because the horses are alive as well as the jockeys. Yeah, and they wouldn't have been after that. Right. Um, there is, you know, it's not it's not like NASCAR. It's not Rubbins racing. Yep. Um, you know, you just what the guy did, and I don't think it was intentional. I think the horse got spooked by something and drifted. Yeah. Um, but it was the right call. Okay, that's a nice, that's a that's a very measured take from a guy who's actually you've been to a few races and you know a few things. Yeah, I I had a friend send me the ticket. Um, he hit the try oh. if the initial result had stood. Wow. And well, do you did. know what that would have paid out at? Um, he would have left with some good money. Wow, trifectas are tough to get, especially in the Derby. Wow. Yeah. So 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 I think. That's a good good point by you, and it's the rules, and they have the technology to enforce the rules. But I, I did think that, and you alluded to it, the horse did shift out of his lane, but it's a horse, and it's moving very quickly. And I thought it was a fairly normal move. It was definitely a drift. It definitely was a sudden movement, but, but it wasn't like the jockey decided, hey, I'm going to block these guys. And it wasn't like the horse really could be like, oh, I'm going to block these guys. But the, the toughest thing about it is you, you then take away <laughs> all the winning tickets of your friend and others who had the moment of celebration. That yeah. is brutal. And um, that's the thing. So I've probably been between Gulfstream and Tampa Bay Downs and a couple places in Chicago and different places. I've probably been to maybe Saratoga, maybe 100 days of horse racing in my life. Fair. And I think I've only, you know, you see these challenges all the time. I think I've only seen one, maybe two overturned. And, you know, that's on the fourth race on a Saturday morning in, you know, February at Gulfstream, you know. Yeah. A, claim, a claiming race that means nothing. To see it happen in the most watched um, horse race of the year is tough because it just, it confuses everybody. It takes the excitement out. 
people who don't really watch horse racing or know horse racing don't really care. Right. They just want to see the horse win. Um, you know, you're at, you're at viewing parties, and all of a sudden, everyone's just standing around, wait, what's going on? What happened? It just kind of takes kind of the shine off of it, so it was unfortunate to see from a viewing and from yeah. a um, just event part of it. You know, it, it would be it would be like uh, you know we're gonna get into hockey. Uh, imagine a Stanley Cup final game winning goal in overtime, and then they go back and review it, and a minute and a half earlier someone was offside. Right. And they call it back. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just a big moment to do it in. And so anyway, you know, the, the, the craziness of the after effect, and there's been a lot of after effect though, is. The horse that legitimately came in first and got disqualified, Maximum Security, those owners are like suing the horse racing governing body or somebody. They're not bringing their horse to the Preakness. Uh, the horse that won, Country Horse, Country House, whatever his name is, I don't even know his name. That's how odd this win was. He's not running the Preakness either. So <laughs> couldn't be worse for horse racing, couldn't be worse for the Preakness, couldn't be worse for NBC Sports. It, it couldn't be, but I don't think these horses missing. The one who won was going to come in last in the Preakness. You know, he's just he's not a good horse. You know, the one who won by disqualification. Um, and the, the horse, um, you know, security force, maximum security. <laughs> security max, force. Whatever his name is. Uh, who cares? You're, you're in a controversy. And here's the thing, by not going to the Preakness and winning, everybody's going to forget about him. He goes to the Preakness and wins, it's then the story. That's instead, my point. Instead, they're, they're screwing themselves. That's my point. And taking their ball and going home. Because everybody knows that that horse won the Derby in terms of it was the fastest horse. And if that horse goes to the Preakness and wins, and then were to go to the Belmont and win, and everybody would be talking about how the horse won the Triple Crown and was screwed by a technicality or whatever, or it was the right call, but it was a hard call yeah, to make. Yeah, the casual fan would say he got screwed out of it. So. Right, and so instead you're taking all that juice. Like if they would get a ton of free publicity this whole two weeks if they would just run that horse. So yeah, if they don't have the willingness to run the horse in the Preakness anyway, then I don't want to hear about it from their camp. And their lawsuit yeah. is frivolous. And I like that name Security Force better, and I'm making it our <laughs> fake band name of the week. <laughs> Security Force, '80s <laughs> tribute band, no question about it. No, no question about it. Um, so I, I have a question. We have not discussed this. Do you think anyone looks at the small, like, you know, five-year run that it was of hair bands and say that's the greatest era of music of all time? Do you think there's one person who says it? Yeah, um, I. Th- I hate, I hate to use any names of relatives, but I, I feel like I know some people. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, maybe not relatives, but I definitely know there are people hanging out in dive bars who just wish 1987 would come back walking through the door. I mean, well, here's the thing. I, there is some good music, and it's, they're all there's some good music that I love to rock out to. And when it comes on at a bar, I'm happy. Or if I'm at a band, I'm at a bar and there's a band covering it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. But then you actually listen to the songs and a lot of them, and and the dress and everything around it's pretty terrible. Yeah. So the look was the look, and that's its own thing. But you know, a lot of those guys could really play if you could listen to the guitar solos. But the songs themselves like don't mean anything. And what's interesting is, I don't know a lot of people who are like, 
I love Molly Crew, but Pearl Jam stinks. It's kind of like I love Molly Crew and I'll always love Molly Crew because of who they were when they were them. But nobody's like, but I don't like Pearl Jam. No, like Pearl Jam's a better band. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm with you. I mean, I think there's a reason why. Um, I mean, it's a it's a subgenre of rock music. You know, it's a time period. It, it, it is. And like I said, I don't. I don't. I'm not knocking it. I love it. But I'm just like you know, you hear music come on, you hear people say, "Oh, that song, that that band reminds me of my family," or this. Like I'm just picturing a guy sitting in a bar when "Girls, Girls, Girls" comes on and looks at the guy next to him and says, "Ah." Oh, this song. Right. It's not exactly American <laughs> Pie. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's kind of like, um, it's like Jimmy Buffett is kind of like his own thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a subgenre. And, you know, you associate it with a certain feeling. And with, I think with, with uh, you know, hair metal, glam rock, whatever you want to call it, you associate it with a certain time period and also now a certain feeling. I will say this, uh, and I don't think I'm talking out of school here. There's both three places in the world where classic rock will never die, and they are hockey arenas. Correct. Gentlemen's clubs. Yes. And the third one is, you know, oh, one o'clock in the morning, last call, pour some sugar on me, comes on, the whole world's happy. Yeah. Also, in my in my Ford F-150 driving across it in Florida, Hair Nation gets a lot of play. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say in the car. Like, it's, a good, it's good in the car music, for sure. Yeah, it was funny. It was... Uh, I was listening to Stern the other day, or this is a month ago, and um, Def Leppard was on, and they compared themselves a lot to Queen. Oh, I mean, they're friends with Brian May, but yeah, but they would know they were talking about how like the melodies they sing, and they have three or four guys singing at yep, once. That's fair. And you think about it, and you actually break it down, and he's not crazy saying it. At first, I thought he was crazy. Yeah. It was just a different genre of music, right? It's a different, like, they're in the Hall of Fame. Like, Brian May of Queen inducted Def Leppard yeah. into the Hall of Fame. They're good friends. They can all really play. I do agree they do a lot of three or four-part harmony. Um, but, you know, Freddie Mercury, Queen's just a different level. Different level. It was it, one game I do, I will admit to playing when I get uh, drunk. It might be inappropriate. If I'm at the bar, particularly with my brother or my buddy Bob, who's into that stuff, if Def Le- if a Def Leppard song comes on, I um, I play one arm or two arms. I see. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> like, was it when Def Leppard's drummer had both arms or after his accident? Yeah. So you try to figure out the period piece of, yeah, okay, I get it. I, I get it, you know. He's pretty, I mean, he's pretty upfront about... Oh, yeah. And, I mean, hats off to a guy for completely relearning how to, like, play the drums without one of the main appendages you need to play the drums well. And doing amazing. it at a world-class level. I mean... Uh, amazing. Amazing. Like, amazing. And, stuff. I mean, they, they had hits with him with one arm, you know? It's oh, not like- the whole, uh, uh, sorry, the Hysteria record. Yep. So, any any of the, like, they're, they're, like, that was, like, probably their biggest record. Dude had one arm. Yeah, best crazy. best record, like probably multiple platinum records. So yeah, yeah, hats off, hats off to him. Um, I knew his name like a week ago, but now it's been a week and a lot of things happen and you forget about it. No room for that in the brain. But I watched the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction and I saw him and they talked about that piece. By the way, Roscoe P and I are going to be grading the performances of all the artists from the nice from the Hall of Fame on this here very much. So filibuster freestyle <laughs> podcast. So let's talk hockey, man. You. As I told folks at the top of the show, you didn't stop playing hockey in high school. You played in college. You played juniors. You still play now as a grown man in Florida, which means you know a thing or two about hockey. So 
I want to talk a little bit about both series here. We're in the final four of the Stanley Cup playoffs, but Bruins had a big win game one, and then they had a big win today. It was six to two, but they were up six to nothing. Um, I guess my first question, because you were a goalie, is are you surprised that the Bruins, uh, sorry, the uh, Hurricanes didn't pull their goalie after it was like four or five nothing? Oh, I, I thought you had me on to talk about my hockey career, my men's league team. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's after this, yeah. Oh, okay. No, um, I was I was actually just in this argument on Facebook with somebody. Oh, nice. Because it was actually an old coach of mine who said that, the, you know, because traditionally a goalie gives up five or six or four through two, you might yank them. Um, but I think what had happened, and this is my thinking, is Morazic wasn't playing well. They were already down four now. I think it was four nothing after two. Yep. Um, the team wasn't playing well. The coach knows they're not coming back from that. Boston's locked in. He had already dis- – normally you would pull your goalie right then. Um, one, to try to jumpstart the team. Two, you never want to hang your goalie out to dry because can, you can have some confidence issues. You, you want to let him sit on the bench. Um, Carolina all year had gone – with two goal, pretty much two goalies. Like they didn't have a true starter. Yeah. You know, it was every other night, whoever was hot, both guys played a whole lot of games. Um, I think the coach had already decided, being down four nothing, they weren't coming back. That he's coming back with McElhaney in game three. Just stretch start. Uh, you know, start. You know, Morazic didn't play well. Team didn't play well. He'd already decided he's going with McElhaney. Why put him in in the third and give the Boston shooters a chance to adjust to him? I'd be willing to bet. He maybe even said to Morazic, hey, this is yours to finish out. Do what you can do. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's the team. It's not you. But but you got to, you know, it's almost like some people aren't, um, you know, as much hockey fans. I'll compare it to um, when they gave the ball to Tim Wakefield in the, uh, the Yankee series. In that game, they're getting blown out. And he just went out there and got shelled and just kept throwing. Right. He wasn't out, he wasn't out there to win. He was out there to get them to the next game. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's he, unfortunately for Mraznik, he had to do mop up duty for his own stinker. Yep, and it, it happens, <laughs> and it stinks when you got to do it. Um, but like I said, I think it was just the decision had already been made. Um, in in this thing, there 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 is definitely some tendencies from playing against the goalie that you see. So why give the Bruins that one period jump on it? Right. So basically, you're going home. Everybody knows it's do or die for them to get at least one, if not get both, and tie the series back up. Like you said, the coach has probably already decided. Brendan Moore has already decided he wants to go with a different goalie. So, like you said, why give them tape? So, that makes sense. That's some good insight, folks. That's why Andy Mazin's the hockey guy. Um, so, what do you think? I mean, obviously, Bruins looked great from the second period, but certainly the third period of game one through the you know the majority of the third period. I keep getting texts here, by the way, from uh, Pundit Cindy Harrington. It's fantastic. Um, I heard she's your favorite pundit. Best pundit. Well, she was promoted to chief financial officer of the Villa. Yes, yes, so. yes. So we definitely want to read her text as soon as the pod's over, um, for sure. But anyway, what do you think the chances are of the, of the – do the Hurricanes have to make a goalie change to, to kind of like they, jump state the MOBA? They do. They do. Um, like, and here's the thing with them. It's not only Morazic. He got him and McElhaney split time down the down the stretch. Yep. Uh, Morazic got hurt in the first round, and McElhaney played two games and won two games. Yep. Was it the, first, the second round? I guess second round. It was last round. Yeah, it was second round. Island. And and won two games and played well. Um, so you have to go to him. He's given up. And now Morazic's given up eleven goals in two games. Yep. Or maybe maybe ten goals. Maybe one was an empty netter. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
But in, in the, the Hurricanes today just were flat. You need that jump at home um, with the new goalie. Putting a new goalie in there just um, will really change. If there's anything that can really change the mindset of the team, it's putting in a new goalie. I honestly think that they're kind of uh, – Magic carpet ride is over. You do? Okay. I do. So um, I, want to get into I think this. The, the Bruins are just that much better of a team than them. Um, they were fort- fortunate in a way that they played the Islanders in round two, who, uh, same thing, younger team, not overly talented, did everything they needed to do, but weren't a powerhouse. Um, you know, they, and then, I mean, and, and they beat Washington in that long series, and that, that was just a weird series. It was. Um, if Oshie doesn't get hurt, I don't think Carolina wins that series. Yeah, I mean, it came down to seven, and, and I, that seventh game was pretty bananas. And, and actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that was the series when Morasnik got hurt, but either way, you know. No, it was, it was definitely the second round. It was definitely the okay. Got it. But anyways. So, I, you I know, they, they've, they've kind of, you know, Carolina, like I said, they, they got in with the, they were the seventh seed. So they, they weren't a great team and, and things went right for, fell right for them. They, they played well, not taking anything away from them, but, but they definitely were not one of the top teams in the conference this year. And the Bruins were. Yeah. Do you, and it's just finally coming or coming to show. And it kind of seems like once, once you get to the third round, obviously everybody's played well to get there. But clearly the playoff jitters are kind of gone. I think it start and, and the rest starts to be even again. And I kind of felt like with the Bruins, they, they kind of were the first two games, even though they split, they kind of were like tired from a seven game series against the Leafs while the Blue Jackets took care of the Penguins in four or whoever they beat yeah. for. The Lightning. The Lightning. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, Columbus being, it's funny because Columbus being the eight seed, um, they were super talented. But they took a while to come together because yeah. they picked up two two big names at the deadline. Uh, they picked up Deshane and Dezingle right at the dead at the trade deadline, and I think they were like ten and one or nine and one in like their last ten. So they had really started playing well to get in the playoffs. But man for man, they were just as talented as anybody. And then their goalie played well. He was hot. Carolina, yeah. You know, I, I was hating him in the Boston series, and then we finally got to him. But Carolina's just not on that level, I don't think. Gotcha. So let me ask you what you think about this. Um, so I believe it was four to nothing. Um, there were six or so minutes left in the second period, and I started hearing the chant, game two of the Western Conference Finals, we want the cup, we want the cup. And that is just very indicative and a great example of why people who aren't Boston sports fans hate Boston sports fans. Premature. I- uh, you know what, though? For the most part, the people chanting that are the Boston sports fans that the Boston sports fans hate. And that's the rub that I wanted to get to. And that's why it takes two Boston sports fans who have moved abroad, if you will, you know, who don't live in Boston, to be able to explain the nuance. Is that we don't like people who say they want the cup out loud at the game in the second period of the second game of the series when the cup is still like six and a half wins away. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's funny. Yeah, even though we've been on this as Boston sports fans, we've been on this amazing run. Yeah, I'm still a scarred child Me where too. my team didn't win anything. Yeah, you know, the Celtics won in I think '86, but we had we don't no championships that. in in our our sports rooting lifetime up till age 21, 22. Yeah, it was a 15 year gap between like us being like six and 21. It was a tough. Yeah, tough, that's a tough and, time to have bad teams. 
Yeah, and some terrible losses in there, and just and I'm still scarred like that. Like I, I'm never confident that the Boston team is going to win, even if they're the much better team. So I hate those people, especially game, game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. If you if if you're if you're in a clinching game, yes, and yes, game two, no. Right. If it's game six, and you, you know, sorry, game five, because game six won't be at home for the Bruins if it happens. If it's game five and you get to clinch, you can yell, we want the cup. But then again, you still have to win the cup if you get that far and win four more games. So it just, it just, but just mark it, everybody. I've been paying attention to it, and it was in the second period, towards the end of the second period. Once the bees were up four to nothing, the we want the cup fans just started blurting it out. So. And they're the same fans that get on Twitter after game five versus Columbus. Yeah, we're done. When, we're done. When Tortorella comes out and says, oh, yeah, we'll be back for game seven. And after, and then and then they beat them in game six. And they're, oh, Tortorella, I thought you'd be back for game seven. What did you want him to say? Did you want him to say, hey, you know, the Bruins are playing well. We're I don't probably, think we're going to win game we're six. We're probably screwed. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> season's probably over. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know why we're going to play game six in Columbus. What a leader. We're not making it back for game six. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, really good point. Hey, so um, one other thing I noticed. I love when I get catch the organ player doing a little smoke on the water by Deep Purple <laughs> on the organ. Of all the organ songs that I either like or don't like, Smoke on the Water just really sticks out for me as my top one, I think. All right. The number one arena hockey song on the organ. No question about it. Uh, okay. Let me ask you this, too. I like to kind of think about the music in between breaks. Right before the last face-off of the game today, the Bruins, you know, uh, you know, game-off people played My Mom Coming Home by Ozzy Osbourne. But, like, they're literally about to go away for two games. We're, we're, and they should have played on the road again. Right. Like, they should play at the beginning of game five if the game five happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just wonder. But I, 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 I wonder sometimes if he's going off a playlist at break, break seven, break eight, oh, break ten. they totally are. I'm just trying to point out to their ops people who clearly listen to the show, obviously, that uh, they should think about what the meaning of the song is if you go on a road trip. That's all. I got you. Um, what else from the Bruins? Do you think they're playing well enough to, to get this thing done? Or do you think that the teams in the West, and again, I'm not saying this series is over, but, you know, are the Bruins playing well enough to finish this series? Uh, yes, they are. Um, San Jose scares me. I think they'd run over St. Louis. But I, and I also think San Jose is going to run over St. Louis. You do. So, but, I mean, the Bruins are playing as good as anybody. They're as talented as anybody right now. Um, they're getting that third and fourth line scoring and kind of quality play that you need in the playoffs. Um, the year they won the cup, the Merlot line, which yep. was their fourth line, yep. <laughs> really showed up to play, and that, and that's what you need in the playoffs. You need you need these these lesser guys to to really. Um, to, to really contribute, and and they had really made it through the playoffs without without a huge contribution from you know Pasternak, uh, Bergeron, and Marshawn. Everybody else had kind of picked it up, so you know it's good to see that 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 those guys are starting to produce now. You're seeing a lot of depth there, yeah, exactly. Um, so you 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 do think, and I've watched very few Sharks games. I've watched more Blues games because they were on and their Dallas series a lot, and I got to catch those. So you don't – I mean, I know it's one nothing Sharks, and the Sharks are hosting game two tomorrow night. You think the Sharks are just a better team? 
just a better team. Um, St. Louis has really been playing lockdown defense, of allowing like 20 shots a game. Um, and the Sharks are just a different monster with some of the speed they have. And then with Carlson and Burns on the back end, those are just really two true puck-moving defensemen who can, who can jump up in the play. And when you're, you're playing this lockdown defense versus a team who doesn't necessarily have those, and I mean, no, no shot on Dallas's defense because they were really good. And, and I mean, that young, that 18 year old kid from Finland, I can't even think, uh, I can't even think of his name. He was really good. But I mean, Carlson and Burns are, are probably the two best offensive defensemen in the game. And trying to lock that down just changes the game a little bit. Um, and I, I don't think St. Louis, St. Louis just doesn't have the wagon. I mean, St. Louis has been the best team in the league since January, but I also think it's one of those Cinderella story, magic carpet rides, and all of a sudden you're just you're just uh, you turn into a pumpkin at midnight, Cotton. Yeah, <laughs> Cotton. <laughs> they really want to win this game. Pepper Brooks is an excellent. Excellent yeah. analysis there. Sure do like pumpkins. Uh, sure do like pumpkins, Cotton. <laughs> That's great. Um, you know, the, the Sharks are just uh, – I would rather see St. Louis just because, one, I think it's a better matchup than Boston, but I'd rather watch Bobby Orr stories than Joe Thornton stories. You yeah, know, I was going to say, there's a whole Joe Thornton angle. Joe Thornton's – it's amazing because Joe Thornton's like our, like our age. I think he's my age. And he looks like he's a thousand years old out there, but like I'm a thousand years old, that means, so I refuse to believe it. But I remember yeah. when Joe Thornton was like an 18 year old number one pick on the Bruins. Yep. And now he's actually been in San Jose for like forever. I mean, he's been yeah, in there forever. Yep. And so you are going to get what I do think, though, is it, the better news for Boston fans is that the Sharks beat the Avalanche. Because if the Avalanche had to play the Bruins and, and the Ray Bork Bowl, that would be too much. And here's why. For those of you who don't think Boston sports fans were tortured, there was a point, I believe the year was like 2000 or 1999 or whatever year it was, when Ray Bork left Boston with everybody's blessing to go chase the cup. He went to Colorado. He won the cup. And his day with the cup, everybody, he brought it back to Boston, and we had a celebratory parade because Ray Bork won a Stanley Cup for a team in Denver. That's how bleak it got. It didn't win the cup the first year is traded. It was the second year. It was like, I was going to say, it wasn't like he was like a, a mid-season trade and then he went on to win the cup. No. He specifically like had a summer off, went back to it, and everybody in Boston essentially counted that as like a championship or half a championship, even though it had nothing to do with Boston. So I really didn't want to see that. I have to relive that embarrassment. But yeah, never understood it. And I never understood the sentiment. Then, and Ray Bork was great, oh, one was of my best. favorite players ever, one of the top five Bruins ever. But I just never understood the sentiment that every great player deserves. Oh, he deserves to win a cup. No, you don't deserve to win a cup. You either win it or you don't. It's decided on the ice. Made the final slice, lost it twice. Doesn't deserve to win a cup. And in some of the revisionist history that goes on, oh, they never gave him a chance to win. Yeah, the teams at the end stunk. There's no doubt about it. But he yeah. was on some good teams. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, they went to the finals two years in a row. They just ran into the Oilers. <laughs> yeah. And and actually, if you think about it, their second, their second one to the Oilers, I think it was after Gretzky was gone. So it wasn't the Oilers or, you know, it was Messier's Oilers. Right, not and, Gretzky. And they had... And they, just, I don't know, like, like it was just so weird to me that that just because the guy was such a great player, everyone was deserved to win a cup. I just don't see it. Yeah, that's an interesting. I don't agree with it. That's a good take. Like, 
not like Ted Williams. Did he deserve to win the World Series? I mean, yeah, he's one of the greatest hitters of all time, but he didn't win the World Series. And then, oh, well, he worked so hard. All these guys in the NHL work hard. I was going to say, the guy, you know who worked really hard are the guys who um, are like the third stringers because they're just trying to stay on the roster. I was talking yeah. to a couple basketball coaches the other day, and they were saying the most injured guy on their team this offseason has been one of their walk-ons. And it's because he's trying at 110% just to keep up with like a normal pace for like the regular scholarship guys. Yeah. So like he's working hard. He doesn't deserve the cup. <laughs> he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't he, even deserve the start. You know what? He does. He deserves the cup, even though he's a basketball player. That guy deserves the cup, no doubt. Um, anything else from hockey, man, or no? No. Um, I'm just try, trying to go over that Western Conference series, see if there's anything. Uh, okay, so in even though you're in Charlotte, yes, nowhere near Raleigh. Three. Yep. Is hockey fever taking over at all or not? Yeah, yeah, good question. So it seems like in Raleigh for sure it is. It's, you know, as strong as a southern city can be around hockey, it's happening for them. It's their only pro team, so they're in. Um, so I was watching the Bruins last week uh, at, at a Boston, like a Boston-owned bar, sports bar here in Charlotte. So they always show Boston stuff, but... Some dude rolled in in a Hurricanes hat and said he had driven up there the night before when they clinched and he's you know got Hurricanes fever. So um, there are definitely some Charlotte folks who, because they're called the Carolina Hurricanes, kind of like the Carolina Panthers, people feel ownership even though it's a team that's four hours away. Um, a lot of people are throwing the series in, in my face because they know I'm a Bruins fan. And I'm kind of like, and this actually brings me to a question I wanted to ask you. I'm kind of like, listen, if you guys beat us fair and square and I live in North Carolina, I'd love to see you all be happy. I don't have a problem with the Carolina Hurricanes, you know, and not really. It's not like you're the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. But anyway, I'd say it is a lukewarm in Charlotte and it is, it is probably a medium warm to hot in Raleigh. I think if they were to tie the series up, I think the fever would be real. Uh, I think if they go out in four or five, then it'll be forgotten. Um, who do you want? All right, we all know you want the Bruins to win the Cup. Of the other three teams, who do you either – would you be okay with them winning the most or would you want them to win the least? I would be okay with St. Louis winning it. I want – I want um, – I do not want San Jose to win it because I've had the argument that – because there's still people that argue the Joe Thornton trade was a terrible trade for Boston. Ah. And, I, and I argue it wasn't a great trade. But we needed to start over. Joe Thornton's not is never going to win a cup, um, and the Bruins have won a cup since then, and Joe Thornton hasn't. So I just for my argument, I don't want San Jose to win it. Hey, we all have to have our reasons. You know what I mean? Now, uh, question for you: Yeah, if you're the lead singer of Security Force, will you change your name to Luke Warm? Oh yeah, I will definitely change my name to Luke Warm. That's great. St. Louis, what is going on? It's security force. We got disqualified in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> oh, yeah, I like it. Uh, we're in Cleveland. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> My bad. I'm lukewarm. This one's for the troops. This one's for the troops. Actually, let's get into that real quickly and hopefully not offend anybody. So, two things. Andy and I love the troops. The troops, guys. And we're going to get a preemptive jump on Memorial Day for all the veterans here on Mother's Day and say happy Memorial Day to everybody and thank you for protecting our freedoms. 
With that said, Andy has this thing, and he's right, where, especially if you're in Key West, and there's like a million singers and guys in bars and stuff down there, I'll let you take it from here, Andy. Well, you know, you're, you're at, you're at, you're at Irish Kevin's or Captain Tony's and guy playing the acoustic guitar, you're drunk. It's just a cover band. She's not. Right. You're just a guy. Like you're, you're just not, like, you're not playing, you're not playing Boston Garden and like, ah, oh, this one, this one, shout out to the troops. Well, there are no troops here because it's not a military city. And it's not the being troops, televised. Troops are great. But you're, this is a bunch of drunken assholes. Right. And, On vacation. And like I, said, I support the troops as much as anybody. Yes. But that, like, and I'll, like another one that like got me down this path one day, and this is when it may have started. Uh, T.J. Oshi when he scored um, in the shootout versus Russia uh, yeah. Yeah. in the Olympics. Okay. And they're like, "Ah, oh, you're an American hero," and he goes, "No, the real American heroes are the troops." Well, no one confused you with the fucking troops. Pardon my language. That's okay. You're no a lot one. No one can see Yeah, you, TJ, TJ, no one thought you were actually saving lives. We're just saying that, like, in a sports sense, you're a hero. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, crutch, it's a crutch that people use, and you can't call them out on it because then you're calling out the troops. But when you're not. But, I, and, not. And what I want to point out is that you're not calling out the troops. I'm not. The troops are great, and the troops are over here. I'm calling out the crutch. I'm yeah, calling you're calling out, the, out the, 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 the two-bit cover song singer singing somebody else's songs on your vacation and then deciding that they want to throw one up for the troops. And again, no, that's great, but also it is. It's like a pandering, like half-hearted, they say it seven times a day, they probably don't even mean it. And that's what you're calling out, am I correct? Correct. Okay. I'm going to leave this in because, again, we are a million percent behind the troops. million percent behind the troops. I am a troops guy. We just don't think it's nice of cover band singers to patronize that, f- that slogan, that, that phrasing, you know, take ten percent of what you got from the uh, from your tips for the night for your cover band, and donate it to a military organization for the troops in need. Correct. That, that was your dog shaking her head. Yes, she <laughs> agrees. So, so Bella agrees, and I think I think we can leave it there because that's a lukewarm and a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a feeling lukewarm is the guy who, who leans on every crutch. Just starts screaming out, we're going to play all night! Actually, you know what? Let us! I will, I, will, I will fall on the sword and admit my own former like rock and roll cover band singer crutch. crutch. Yeah, can funny. You, can you guess it or no? Um, You'll know it. You'll know that I, I said it every week. Uh... The, the drunker you get, the better we sound. <laughs> and that is the ultimate cliche, and I will fall on the sword there. That is so whack. I, I have joked that I'm going to form a band where I never sing a song. I just am on stage shouting out all these cliches. Catchphrase, cliches. And, and I get the crowd going nuts, and I, I got my drummer like doing the double tap on the bass drum as, as I'm... I get all the cliches out there. You know, like the city, we're going to play all night. This one's for the troops. Um, the people up in the cheap seats, even though I'm playing a 100-person club. This one's for you up there in the cheap seats. We love you. That's another one. Just saying you love everybody. We love you. Yeah. Do you? Because we've never met. You like that I paid money to get in here tonight. You don't love me. That's a big difference. Yep. What you should be yelling is, thank you for your patronage. Yeah. 
So, so anyway, yeah. So that actually might be a um, a mini pod in the making. I know we did a little bit of it right now, but to kind of come up with the the most offensively abused rock and roll cliche catchphrases by lead singers on stage. We could probably just listen to a Kiss show. Paul Stanley is the ultimate. It's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Cold, the, I don't even know the song Cold Gin. I just know that his intro to the song Cold Gin is the best thing in the world. We'll, we'll save it because it's great. We'll save it. All right, Andy, stick around for a minute. We will catch out. Everybody else, we talked horses, we talked hockey, and we talked rock and roll cliches with the filibuster freestyle. <laughs> 